This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. I'm excited to to share the word with you this morning. Um, We have been, and we're wrapping up literally a series we've been calling Servolution, talking about God wanting to position us. Everything we were singing about this morning, in the earth to serve and love other people in the power of God. If you believe that that's important, say amen. So God is up to something. He's, he's empowering his church, which is people, living stones, to move outside of the four walls and touch people's lives in a significant way. We have more capacity and grace on our lives to impact people than we actually realize. And so we're trying to see the church wake up to that. So we've been leaning in into a series that we've titled Servolution to kind of get some understanding, some revelation on that. So today I'm going to be talking about, uh, just from one passage of Scripture, this concept of all things. Would you say that with me? All things. And we're going to read out of Romans chapter 11. If you would turn there with me, or it will be up on the screen for you. And this is the verse that we get that phrase from, written by Paul. Chapter 11, verse 36, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And look what he says here. He says, for of him and through him and to him are, come on, say it with me. Let's do it again. For of him, through him, and to him are all things. And we didn't, by the way, coordinate on the song selection today. That, that didn't happen. And every time, I'm not saying that's good or bad. That would be amazing probably if we did. But just hearing the songs that were sung, I'm like, you couldn't make this stuff up. Like, we're talking about glory. Because look what he says. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The partnership that we have and the relationship with, with, that we have with God is to bring glory to his name. This is what he's called us to do. This is what he's stirring in our hearts. This is the reason we're being um, changed and transformed and positioned in him right now to bring glory to his name forever. Last week, I don't want to recap the message in fullness, but I want to just set the table this morning for where we're going. We took a a look at at three questions. If you were here, you'd remember. If you weren't here, please take take a listen to that one. Because I think it'll help you in this in understanding this concept of like, what does it mean to worship? What does it mean to be servants in the earth? What does it mean to give our lives for the cause of the gospel? But the first question that we looked at is, what is worship? Just that simple question, what is worship? And we discovered that worship, and I'm going to put this up on the screen for you, is where God, who dwells in the heavens, begins to live and work through man who dwells on the earth to perform his acts. So worship is, is giving of our finances. Worship is singing songs like we did on this Sunday. But more importantly, we got to understand that all those things, as we connect our hearts to him, as we begin to make declaration on a Sunday morning through song and through agreement with our words to the lyrics and, and begin to give from our heart into his kingdom financially and with our time and with our talents, 
That is awesome, but ultimately is, it is to, to build that, 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 that connection that is fully there where God in the heavens begins to work through us to perform his acts in, in the earth. And I'm going to explain that in just a little bit. So is everybody tracking there? So we looked at that. Number two, well, let's, let's look at the verse on that, Acts 15, verse 12. Look at this with me. He says, then all the multitudes kept silent. This is the verse we looked at last week. And listened to Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles, wonders, and wonders God had worked, what? Through them among the Gentiles. So there was connection here now. The God who was dwelling in the heavens is now connecting with man on the earth. And he's working his acts through them. That's why the Bible, uh, New Testament book, is called the Acts of the Apostles. They're actually the acts of God that are actually working through the apostles, if that makes sense. So God is working through man on the earth. Secondly, we looked at how do we serve others with worship? How do we serve other people with our worship? And we discovered that it's through agreement. Through agreement. Everybody say agreement. Agreement is powerful. Like where two or three come together and agree... God begins to move, the, the actual Greek word is, is dunamously or powerfully, like dynamite kind of strength in our midst. There's nothing more powerful than an agreement. Whenever Wendy and I, my wife, have been in agreement on something, there's almost nothing that can stop it. I mean, you know, that's why the enemy loves to, to divide and conquer, right? Because he doesn't want agreement, because he knows agreement is powerful. And so we, we see that, that how do we serve other people is with agreement. Now that sounds a little ethereal, so what am I talking about? It's where our knowledge of the written word of God and how we live it out become one. Is this too much? or is this? So the knowledge that we have of the word of God, that's great. But how it then becomes the living word within us, there's the written word of God that we should, under, you know, not just an intellectual ascent. It, it, it's going to be planted as seeds in our minds, but then it has to get to our heart, to how we live this out as living stones. This is what Jesus did. Jesus was what? He's, he's the word. If you look in the Bible, you'll see the definition of who he is. He's the word that was made flesh. The written word is, is, is an expression of Jesus. Like the, the story of Jesus is there from Genesis all the way to the end of Revelation. It's the story of Jesus. It's the revelation of Jesus. But then he became the living word. And all that was in that book, he personified the nature and essence of who God actually is and the way that he lived. Let me let you in on a little secret. You can take that Bible, and if you're skewed if your perspective is skewed in any way as it relates to like being dialed into the nature of who Jesus is you can make that book say whatever you want it to say I've seen it done you know there's teaching everybody has these teachings and they talk and it's right from the Bible but you don't see it aligning with the living word so there's no real agreement no wonder there's no power in those places the agreement of God's word has to be, yes, the written, but also the living word. And this is what God is trying to do. He's trying to take more than just some intellectual understanding of the word of God. He's trying to implant it in our hearts to where we serve other people out of that agreement between those two. Really good. Acts chapter 15, I want to just show you this verse. 
This is where we see this in verse 13. It says, after they became silent, because they were listening to Paul and Barnabas declaring how God worked miracles through people, they said, men and brethren, listen to me. Verse 14, Simon has declared how God at first visited the Gentiles to take a people out of them for his name. This is where God starts to like handpick a crew. And it doesn't mean that we're any better than anybody else. But there's a reason why we've been chosen and selected. Look at, look at what he says. Verse 15, and with this, which is the move of God through the, the, this remnant, the words of the prophet agree just as it is written. So, okay, God's got this plan, but now he chooses some people who latch onto his word and begin to go and give it away through how they live, and then now something is set into motion. Whew. This is where things get amazingly interesting in this thing called the church. We're not just hearing the word, but we're being doers of the word. In fact, if you look at the early church, the reason they were called Christians is because that, that word literally means little Christ or little Jesus. That's really interesting. They were like, wow, they look just like Jesus. Basically, they, they were saying, they look just like Jesus does. And even if they didn't join them, it says that they at least revered them because they knew that they were authentic. They knew they were different. Does that make sense? Last one. And then we're going to jump into what I want to share with you guys today. How do we reveal an eternal God to those with whom we come in contact with? And this is what we're going to focus on a little bit more today. Well, we do so with our bodies. Now, let me explain. We are, as human beings, we're triune in, in, this, in, in this sense, that we are spirit. We have a spirit that will live forever. We have a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, that, that is here, that, that, that is, is so important to, 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 to move that soul into wholeness because what we believe affects our will or our actions. And when we get into negative actions or output, you know, from, tr- from tr- triggering and, and, and beginning to try to self-medicate, our emotions are all over the board. Are you following me? So this is why God wants to come and he wants to renew your mind with the washing of the water of the word that you'd no longer be conformed to the system of this world, which is trying to program you to move in a, very, a, a certain direction, but he wants to transform you, your way of thinking. He wants to tear down ungodly belief systems. Things that you believed about the Father, things that you believed about Jesus, things that you believed about yourself that aren't true, that have been exalted, that have been lifted up, and he wants to pull those things to the ground and replace them with truth. Why? So that you can see properly with your mind, which is your heart. And then your will will begin to come into alignment where it's not our will, but it's his will being done here on the earth, right? That agreement. Then our emotions begin to level. And we walk with steadiness. We're not moved and blown about. We're stabilized in Jesus. Even if the economy is up, even if the economy is down, even if there's wars and rumors of wars, whatever the case may be, we are going to be stabilized in Jesus because he is coming and he's bringing agreement to our souls. 
But what we don't often talk about many times in the church because it's way too practical is that there's something about this thing called the body. The body. My kids know this, and it's, it's, I think it drives them crazy and, and stuff. But I keep my car, my vehicle, meticulously clean. I mean, meticulously clean. You do too as well, as right, Wilson? Okay. <laughs> I just do. Like, I mean, if I borrow, like, my son's car, like, our youngest, Luke's car, when I give it back to him, all the trash that was in there and the, is gone, and the car is completely washed, and the wheels are shined, and he's actually upset at me when, he, when I give him the car back because <laughs> I violated his piece of property, and I have to apologize to him. Listen, it's just, I'm sorry. I just, in me, I, 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 I want to steward this vehicle. Why? Because it's this vehicle that gets me from point A to point B. How many of you have had, like, serious mechanical issues with your car at one time or another, right? And you just feel so unstable. You're like, we would go on this vacation, but we can't because I don't know if we're going to make it out of South Florida. You know, we're gonna... <laughs> we had this one young couple that here that, that you know, millennial, this is a millennial joke. But they, they, were, they, they, they were like, we're going to buy a VW van, and we're going to, like, drive all around the country and live out of it. They made it to Port St. Lucie before that bad thing, bad boy dr- Port St. Lucie. All their dreams dashed. I had to counsel them for weeks. Like, God is still good, okay? He still loves you. He still wants your dreams. You just got to invest in a better vehicle than a 1965 VW Bug that you repaired. (laughs) Those were iconic back in the hippie days, all right? (laughs) If you're going to re-up them, you better have a good mechanic go through them. But anyhow... They get us from A to Z. But do we understand that like our bodies are the dwelling place of God in the earth to get his presence from A to Z? Why do you think that our bodies are so under attack? If you look at like what's going on in the world right now with our food systems and the, 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 the atmosphere, it's, it's like we are experiencing challenges in our bodies like no other time in human history. Do you think that that's coincidental? I'm not trying to sound conspiracist here, but like my point is, is that these earthly tents, the enemy knows that if he can disrupt the health of our bodies, he can disrupt the movement of God in some ways in the earth. It's why we're believing for healing and breakout and stuff in people's hearts and lives when we don't have the ability in ourselves to cure whatever issue it may be. We need God because we are, we are, we are uh, uh, vehicles, if you will, of his presence in the world. How do I know this? Second Corinthians, look at this with me. Chapter 5, verse 1. This is Paul saying this emphatically. He says, we know that our earthly tent, and, and it, you see in the parentheses there, it's, it says our, our physical bodies, our earthly tent. Look at the language here. Which is our house is torn down through death. So what we thought this whole thing was about, we thought our bodies were to just be beautiful, and, and that's fine, that's good. That's, that's, we should steward them, and everybody's beautiful in their own way, right? And the enemy tries to tell you how ugly you are, right? 
That's a lie. But anyhow, nonetheless, we thought this, our bodies were all about us. So he said, man, they're being torn down through death. We've been crucified with him. We've been buried. But he says, even when that happens, we have a building. He's talking about our, our bodies again. From God, a house not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. There's a shift when we move from, you know, our bodies being our house and dying to that to our bodies becoming his house, a building from God, if you will. Now, this is really important for you to catch this because if you don't believe this, you're not going to really understand why you're positioned where you're positioned or why at times God may move you from here to there or why he might open up certain relationships with people that you never planned on. That sometimes you lose friendships and you gain new ones. Listen, God is positioning you in the midst of those spaces to bring the presence of God to those, play, those people and serve them with your body, if you will. When you understand, when we understand, when I understand that wherever I walk and the sole of my feet tread on those places, God is with me. God is in me, and I am to fear not. I am to fear not, because the land that he has promised, he is going to give to us as we are serving other people in this kind of a way. So this is what God is rebuilding. He's rebuilding. Look at this verse with me in Acts 15. He's rebuilding this thing called the Tabernacle of David. I explained this last week. The Tabernacle of David was what? It was a mobile tent. It was a moving tent of God's presence on the earth. And it was a foreshadowing. It was a picture. It was an image of what was going to come through the New Testament church and God's people. We are these mobile tabernacles that have been fallen down because it's been all about our house what we want and God's like no through death to self I'm going to build it up I'm going to raise it up and it's going to be powerful again we know the mobile tabernacle um, went into a permanent tabernacle and that's when things really got bad that's why Jesus was like every single stone here is coming down You've made this something it's not because I'm going to work through your, your, your very being, your very personhood. And it says that the reason God is rebuilding this, verse 17, look at this with me. He says, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. All of the Gentiles who are called by his name says the Lord who does all these things. Seek, the word is etzeo in the Greek, which means to worship. What if God wanted to like touch and encounter all of South Florida? Could you believe for that? I sat at a pastor's meeting last week, Thursday. 500 leaders. I've been here 20 years. I've never seen the hunger like I saw in that meeting. And I'm just going, God, what are you doing? And it's mostly through dependence on God. Pastors going through difficult situations. 
barely hanging on to facilities, not having enough resources to do what they've been called to do, trouble in different realms and angles and stuff. But in their brokenness, they're like, God, we need you. And the Lord is showing up in ways that I'm like, man, I think we could see maybe the greatest move of God ever in South Florida in the history of this region. So here's the deal, and we're going we're gonna to move towards a close with this. We need to have a hunger to see, and I'm asking, I'm believing for this this morning. We need to have a hunger in our hearts to see all that I just spoke about, this perspective, properly. Now, I'm going to put up a photo of a guy, and I want to see if any of you guys know who this person is. Could you put that up for me, John, in this photo? Does anybody know who this guy is? I'll give you thousand dollars if you I'm kidding I'll give you a dollar maybe <laughs> I think I have a dollar in the in the glove box in my car I will I will reward you God will reward you greatly <laughs> who is he anybody know let me show you another picture of this guy another picture okay let me break the suspense because I can feel it in the room this is a guy named Larry Walters. You can take the photo down. Who on July 2nd, 1982, who in the room was alive in 1982 besides Wendy and I? Okay, praise God. This guy, Larry Walters, he was otherwise known as the lawn chair guy. The lawn chair guy. And he made a 45-minute flight. He was the first one to ever do this. A 45-minute flight in a homemade aerostat, it's called, which, is, which, which was comprised of a patio chair and 45 helium weather balloons attached to it. This is a true story. This guy's a legend, all right, in our, in our nation. Look it up on Wikipedia. He was hungry. It actually was beer and a pellet gun. Okay, so that's what that was where I was getting to next. He took with him a pellet gun. Here's what he took with him. A pellet gun. So when he wanted to descend, he would just simply shoot the balloons and just as he shot them, he would start to descend. This is what he thought in his mind. So I got the pellet gun. Then he had a CB radio. He was going to somehow try to communicate with the, with the authorities that be while he was on this trip. He had some sandwiches. He had a six-pack of beer and a camera, okay? It's called a good day right there. Can I get an amen? So the crazy thing is he thought he was just going to kind of lightly, you know, take off and stuff. And I guess the, the rope came loose from his Jeep that the, the, the lawn chair and the balloons were tied to, and he rose to an altitude of 16,000 feet within some minutes. Can you imagine that ride? <laughs> You're hungry to see something from a different perspective. That rope, a rope cuts loose, and all of a sudden, you are going sky route. You think he was drinking beer and eating a sandwich? He was only drinking beer, okay? That was it. I think the pellet gun fell off of the chair in the panic, so he had lost his weapon to take these balloons down. I'm sure he tried to get on the CB radio, and the only one talking back to him was truck drivers. Can I get an amen? 
when he was at 16,000 feet, the reason he was saved is that two commercial airliners flew by this guy and reported it to the FAA. Can you imagine that, that call on the radio? Uh, psh, tower, this is flight 459. I see a guy in a lawn chair drinking a beer at 16,000 feet. I mean, can you imagine? This was the first time this ever happened. When they asked Larry, why did you do it? That must have been the question of the day, right? Why did you do this? He said, a man just can't sit around. I wonder how much we're just sitting around. When God wants to take us on a flight somewhere that we've never been to get perspective of what this whole thing is all about. The thing that I researched about Larry is that he dreamed of flying when he was a kid. In fact, I guess the, the thing with the balloon deal was the first time he thought of that was when he was 13 years old. And his dream was to be in uh, the Air Force as a pilot, but his, his, his sight wasn't good enough, so he was disqualified. He, didn't, he couldn't see well enough to become a pilot. How many, how many in this room, you don't know if you really can see that well? And because of that, you're disqualified. How many of you think, well, man, I don't really understand all this stuff that God is trying to do. I don't really get it like Pastor Darren does or somebody else. Listen, and, and it's trying to disqualify you. God's going to give you eyes to see. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is seek, and he will show you things. He will teach you things. You're not disqualified. If that stuff is being whispered into your ear, you're probably more qualified than the next person because the enemy doesn't want you to see. And he wants you to feel disqualified from your dream. But God's called you to soar. He's called you to fly. What's amazing about Larry's life is it both spawned imitators Isn't that interesting? One person does something, and then now everybody feels like they have permission to get into a lawn chair and attach balloons to it. And finally, it actually became an extreme sport called, look it up, cluster ballooning. It's an extreme sport in America. It'll It'll be in the Olympics in like 15 years. No, it will be. I mean, come on. Who, who thought that like skateboarding and, and half piping and all this stuff would be in the Olympic Games? Cluster ballooning is coming your way. I see, I see talent in the room. I see potential. You just need a, you just need a, a lawn chair that, and a seatbelt and some balloons and you're good. Juan's going to go into professional cluster ballooning for his career. <laughs> well, here's, here's what I want to wrap up with. Um, when I was in Bible school, Wendy and I, 95 to 97, um, every year we would do a live worship recording. So they would practice these songs and then they would sing them and they would be recorded both audibly and visually, they were recorded, you know, um, for video and for audio purposes and stuff. And it was, it was always powerful time. And I was just reminded, I was looking back, 1996, there was an album called The Breath of Heaven that we recorded. In other words, a realm of God's 
presence that dwelled up here in the heavens now was coming down and filling men and women to carry it in the earth. That was the basic concept of the album. And it was powerful. It was, it was for sure the most powerful one when we were there. But there's this song that Kevin Jonas Sr., anybody know the Jonas Brothers? Anybody heard of the Jonas Brothers? This was their dad, okay? Was my worship leader when I was in Bible school. We actually planted a church with, with Kevin Jonas Sr. Wendy and I actually babysat the kids, I think, at one point, or took them a meal or something when, when Kevin Jonas or... They, no, sorry, they brought us a meal when we had our baby. So sorry about that. They brought us a meal. I'm, Wendy, thank you, Wendy, for proper context. But nonetheless, Kevin sang this song... To him be glory. I was like, man, Nathan just wrote the the new modern version of that baby, man, today. Just hearing that song. It's awesome. But we would sing in this song, and it moved, it's something when we did, something came, came into the room and came into my heart and did something in me. I can't explain it. I don't know what happened. Where this whole thing, you know, what was fully going on, but we were singing, for of him and through him and to him are all things. And in the midst of that moment, something happened on the inside of me. I want to show you these verses as we wrap this up. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, man. I'm certain this was a key transitioning point in Paul's life to be the greatest apostle that actually ever lived when he got this insight here and it made its way down into here his heart he says in verse 33 please hear this and the passion behind these words oh the depths of the riches you want to know what true wealth is You want to know what true success is? You want to know what true understanding is? Here's the riches of these things. He says, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. If you want to build your life on something valuable, you build it on these two things. The wisdom of God and the knowledge of God. I'll get you that money at the end of the gathering. Thank you for that. He says, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past being able to be found out. And then he kind of puts everything in perspective. Listen to this in verse 34, where it's not about our body. It's about his body. It's not about our presence. It's about his presence. Verse 34, look what he says. For who has, he asked the question, the Lord asked the question. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? We've got to understand who we're dealing with. We're dealing with the God who created the heavens and the earth and is seated in authority over all things. Do we counsel him or does he counsel us? Or who, verse 35, has first given to him And all of a sudden now it needs to be repaid to him. Let's look back at that verse 36. And the team can come back up. 
for of him. Let's stop right there. The awe for that statement should be that he is the origin of all things. I mean, when you were walking at the park the other day, and what did you say? How did you put it? We were talking about something about us, and then we were like, when we get, when we get to God, that God is, is this entity that always has been and always will be, that, that never didn't exist and always will exist. Do you remember how we said that? There was something else in there, but, but I was like, yeah, right there, my brain just you know what I mean? Like, oh, we were talking about creation. And we were t- when he was talking about the human body, and we're like, how could you not believe that there's a creator? Like, look at the intricacy of the human body. And, and when he was saying, well, probably the only reason we go to the big boom theory, um, is it big boom or big bang? I can't remember. Okay, boom bang, shebing bong, okay? Doesn't matter. But the, the thing is, is that we probably went to that because we can't even understand the concept of a creator. And because when you go there, then now you got to realize he's always been and always will be. He's not even a created God. It's like, how, how does he exist forever? It's like, wow. so we'll just go to boom. Okay, boom, that's better. Boom, and then everything just came into being. Because our brains are going boom. And we think of that. He is the origin And through him, he's the channel of an act. And by the way, these words for of him, through him, these are the Greek, very Greek definitions. Origin, through him, channel of an act. If we think, I got to get this across here. If we think that our own actions in our own strength are going to do anything to change this world, we are sadly mistaken. If we think this is all about us, we are missing the whole concept of this thing called life and God. He is the origin. He is the channel of which all action flows. And that's why we got to get connected to him through intimacy, which Jesus has now opened up. And there is a river that is flowing from his throne and it is coming down into our hearts and it is way bigger and way more powerful than any of us think or realize. And to him, that literally means a point entered and a point reached. It's entrance and it's completion, both. You have access to this thing called the life of God and you are brought into completeness in it. You don't have to strive anymore. How many of you know Jesus finished the work on the cross? How many of you know all principalities and powers were defeated on that day, stripped of their very authority? How many of you know that death, hell, and the grave have no longer any authority or power over us in Jesus? How many of you know we don't have to come to the table and, and think that, man, you know, that, 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 it, that it begins and ends with us? No, it begins and ends with God. Would you stand with me? I want to read this last verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, because in light of all these things, Paul continues. Listen to what he says. I want you to kiss. This is amazing. (laughs) Look what he says. Because of all this, 
Because of everything you've just heard me say, out of my own encounter, Paul speaking, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, what? That you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And look what he says. Here's the whole part of servolution, which is your reasonable service. We've made this thing like way, 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 way too complicated. God's like, will you just give me yourself and I'll work with that and you just need to trust me. You think you're pursuing me? I'm way more pursuing you than you even realize. You think you're hungry for me? You have no idea how hungry I am for you. We see that even in the wayward son when he came back to his father, right? He thought, man, I'm making my way back to my dad. I'm finding home again. And we see that, that, that father running to his son. The word service there is the Greek word latria, which means worship or divine service. We just close our eyes just for a minute. Worship is offering our lives, spirit, soul, and body to God. just with a yes in our heart, not even knowing how it's going to look and not even having to be worried about how it's all going to transpire. Just saying, Lord, here I am. Use me. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.